And she got my doctor to order an x-ray and they found that my left lung had already collapsed and my right lung was full of fluid and I had a severe case of pneumonia. Oh my heck, girl. (laughs) And so suddenly these two babies who were going to, you know, rest in my belly for two more weeks had to be out because water was broken and they were afraid that that infection would get to them. And so this, you know, overnight became emergency c-section everything's happening right now welcome to stories of hope in hard times the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times all with god's help I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. Today's guest was raised in poverty and in a broken family, and yet she overcame those obstacles and became known as Smiley to one of her friends and later became a teacher, a children's book author, is a blogger, She married her best friend and then was challenged with infertility for several years. She and her husband were later blessed to have twins, but they were born prematurely. And we're going to hear a little bit about the struggles of preemie babies and how they almost lost them, along with infertility in her story today. And just this summer, she launched a book for adults called Joy On. The 10 Ways to Add More Joy to Your Life. I welcome to my podcast today, Alyssa McClure. Alyssa, are you ready to share your story of hope? Yay, I'm ready. Yay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So I just have to start off asking this question because as I read your bio, I was super curious. How did you go from being raised in poverty and in a broken home situation to writing a book called Joy On. I mean, what was that <laughs> journey? I just, I'm so curious. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but I remember um, as a, it was first grade and I was in a class and my my teacher had asked one of my friends in my class to go get something and bring it over to the rug or something, you know, first grade. Yep. And uh, my friend tripped and she spilled this, whatever it was, all over the floor. And I, <laughs> from my own upbringing and from my own life experience, was like, oh, way to go. Great job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that was, you know, like I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, that's how it would have been in my house. You know, that's how it would have been. And my friend was, you know, over there trying to pick stuff up and she looked kind of sad and somebody else went over and helped her. And my teacher was like, you know, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> and I was like, mm. what? <laughs> You're like, what? And it, it was like this light bulb moment. Like, Oh, there's another way. Like mm. there's someone, there's something else I could be doing. And, um, I think that was the beginning for me of realizing that I, uh, you know, there was a different way to do things than maybe the way I'd, I'd seen in my own household or in my own life. And I think it set a pattern for me for the rest of my life that when I saw someone who was happy or I saw someone who was doing something that I thought was worthwhile or 
one something that I thought would be something I would like to do, I watched them. And I thought, well, how did how did they have a happy marriage? Or how did they succeed in what they were doing? And I would watch and learn from them and try to, you know, incorporate those things in my life. And just thought I'd pass that along. That is <laughs> so you you honed your powers of observation, basically, and you realized that maybe your examples at home weren't the ones you wanted to be mimicking. And that takes a lot, you know, to change and break break that cycle, I guess we would say. Um, yeah. And so that's that's awesome that even as a young child in first grade, you were able to recognize that and see that there was a better way and that you wanted that better way. So that is that is really cool. So that's actually a really great <laughs> tip is that if if you've been brought up in a home that's maybe a little dysfunctional, there are examples around you that you can watch and observe for perhaps a better way. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. So we'll talk more about your book, Joy On, a little bit later in the segment. But um so you got through high school and you went away to college, got married. I met my husband while we were in college, but I graduated uh, from college uh, actually the week before we got married. Oh, good <laughs> so for you. So my senior year was a little stressful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was great. It was wonderful. So we uh, we got married right after I graduated and... Um, you know, you you think things are gonna go a certain way, and you know, we we thought, oh, you know, a few months after we get married, we'll start getting ready to have kids. Right. And I I was the oldest in in my family, and I thought, oh yeah, I've I've seen what it's like to be a mom. I you know helped my mom out a lot when she was a single mom, and I did uh, spend a lot of time helping raise my brothers and sister while especially <laughs> we spent summers uh, visiting my dad. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time uh, being their second mom then. Yeah, and, I bet you uh, did. So I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I'm ready. I, You know, this was always something I thought I would do. And, you know, the first year went by and no, and the second year went by and no, and the third and the fourth and the fifth. <laughs> and we're like, what is going on? Right. Uh, you know, things just don't always go the way you think they will. <laughs> and and for would you mind explaining a little bit of how how you felt when you realized that you were struggling with infertility? How how did that feel um, for listeners? And also, I'm sure there's people out there that struggle with it as well. And it'd be good to know that they're not the only ones feeling this way. What what was that like? I felt broken. I felt like there was something with wrong with me that obviously wasn't wrong with anybody else because mm-hmm. you think, oh, I'm the only one. You know, we all fall into that trap, especially when we're going through something really challenging where we think, I'm the only one. Right. Nobody else is going through this. And so I struggled thinking, why is it? And I thought, it's, it's motherhood. It's not a bad thing. I'm not asking for something terrible. You know, I thought, oh, it's a lofty goal. This is okay. This right, is, right. you know, something I thought God would approve of. And I thought maybe he doesn't trust me or maybe I'm not worthy of this blessing. And 
I thought, well, maybe, um, I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me that he's saying I don't qualify for this in some way. And, um, you know, as the years went on, I became more, um, more frustrated and, you know, I thought, I'm not asking for a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just asking for the, you know, and, uh, it just was frustrating. I went to lots of specialists, lots of different, uh, doctors, and I live in the Houston area where there are lots of phenomenal doctors. And I was frustrated that nobody seemed to have an answer for me. Nobody could tell me, here's your problem. Let's fix it. Here's what we can do. No one could, could fix it. And yeah. It was it was rough. It was it was really hard. That, uh, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about the the questions that you that you think through in your brain when you're going through a situation like this. I actually related to some of those, even though I was able to have children. Um, two of my boys are on the autism spectrum, and I remember thinking that uh, God was giving me kids that I couldn't break. Uh, because they were perfect. And so I didn't deserve to raise, you know, normal kids. <laughs> and so I, it's funny how, well, Satan's kind of cunning. I think whatever we're struggling with, he just kind of pushes oh, yeah. that button. And and he doesn't want us to feel good about ourselves. And he wants us to doubt ourselves. And it's interesting that here we are in two totally different situations. And yet we had a lot of the same thoughts or doubts. <laughs> So I guess, I guess the thing to learn here is that, um, sometimes the questions and frustrations and the doubts that we have, we're not alone in those, right? (laughs) No, we're never alone. That's right. What's crazy is, um, you know, it took, I, it took me years of just this constant struggle, you know, where I was like, all right, you know, I was praying all the time, like, where are my children? Where are they? I know I'm supposed to have children. I know this is part of who I am. And um, I wasn't getting the answer that I thought I should be getting. And um, I was, I was volunteering with our youth. And I remember I was teaching eighth grade at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if this is it, if this is the extent of my motherhood, as far as, you know, between serving the youth of my church and um, teaching eighth graders, I thought if this is it, then okay. It took me a long time to get there, but I finally, and it was March, I remember, it was March, and I thought if this is it, then okay. I accept this and I will make the best of it. That is um, hard. It's a hard point to reach with God, isn't it? It's really hard. Really. It it took me a long time. I'm a little too stubborn, obviously. I really wanted my own will. And when I finally accepted, okay, you know better than me. I don't know the best. And if this is it, okay, I'll take it. And I, you know, loved those kids. I loved every student. You know, I I had 150 students. I loved them. And um, I loved every single one of those. I specifically worked with the girls uh, in their youth group. And I still consider them my first daughters. There were about 30 of them. And I've been to their weddings. And uh, now I see their children. I just still love them. Um, they text me randomly or, you know, they'll send me emails and just say, Hey, I was thinking about you or, Hey, how's this going? And 
That is so sweet. Um, such an awesome experience. Um, but you know, it was that July when we actually found out that we were pregnant. Oh, good. So just a few months later, a few months after I finally accepted it, which is a hard, it, it was so hard. It took me a really long time to say, okay. And I think he was kind of waiting for me. I don't know that that's always the case, right. but for me, I think that was part of what I had to do was I had to say, okay, I had to accept it. And when I finally did, then he said, all right, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, Alyssa. <laughs> that's right. Buckle up. <laughs> oh. So you found out you were pregnant, and it wasn't just one baby. It was two, right? It was twins, yes, yes. And, man, what a whirlwind. That was amazing. Um, it was scary. I didn't want to tell my principal at first because even though, you know, we'd heard heartbeats and we'd seen, you know, sonograms, we thought, I did. My husband, you know, he's he's awesome. He's like, Oh yeah, I knew everything was going to be fine. I was like, <laughs> there's still a chance we could lose one or both, you know? And yeah. So I just, in the back of my mind thought this may never happen, you know, like this might still not happen and I need to be okay either way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I was really cautious about telling anybody. People started asking me because I was thin and suddenly I'm not thin. Right. <laughs> and, uh, even my, uh, one of my, I had a co-teacher for one of my special ed students in one of my uh, classes and she just came over and whispered, Mrs. McClure, are you pregnant? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm just fat. <laughs> <laughs> and her face oh I felt so bad but I was like you can't ask a woman if she's pregnant who does that that that's tip number two never ask a woman if she's pregnant <laughs> I did a lecture to all my eighth graders because they started asking you know and I said let me tell you something you don't ever ask a person if they're pregnant you don't do it and I told them you know I had and at the time I had two other very good friends who were going through infertility um and we had sort of latched on to each other and were this little mini support group for each other and um at the time that I got pregnant um neither of them had been had been successful and so it was a really hard thing um to be happy and sad all at the same time you know yeah and so uh, happy so that you were pregnant but sad yes. were you almost scared to tell them yes it was it was I almost felt guilty to tell them you know it's kind of mm -hmm. like survivor guilt <laughs> yeah I'm sorry this didn't work for you but it worked for me um but my brother my younger brother who got married years after I did um they got pregnant before we did, of course. And so when he he was afraid to call me and tell mm. me that they were expecting. And I thought, I never want that. I, I want him to know that I'm happy for him. And so I thought, I can't do that to my friends because I know what that felt like. So. So you finally I, you just know, bit the bullet and you you were you told them. I told my friends um, and, you know, they were happy. <laughs> They were happy for me and still sad. You know, yes. I know that feeling. I totally understand. Um, but I let them have it. You know, I said, I get it. I know how it feels. You know, you don't, 
you don't have to, you know, buy me any baby things or yeah. go to my baby shower. I had boycotted baby showers years before. That was just such an awful, a terrible thing to have to go to. <laughs> so I said, you don't have to come. I understand. And, you know, those sorts of things. But they were they were still supportive. In fact, one of my friends is still um, still on that journey a decade later. And <sighs> it's, it's a hard thing. It sounds like it's an awfully hard thing. Oh, man. It's important to have a support group. I, I kind of gathered that from what you were talking through. So find other people then. Did did you find them online or how did you find your support group? You know, this was, it was just one of those, this is the Lord's hand in my life sort of things. Because one of the women at the time, I, I was doing some teaching at a local scrapbook store and <laughs> she she worked there and we just became friends and you know later shared all of our uh fertility treatment woes and infertility issues and mm-hmm. uh, we've been friends ever since she's awesome and the other one um had gone to church with me and um and then soon after she moved and so we didn't go to church together she further away but we still um, would reconnect and uh, meet up somewhere in the middle because we were going through this similar thing so it's just amazing how you know people are in your life at those moments exactly when you need them and yeah man so god sends people that for other people yeah oh yeah god sends people at the right time you gotta look for them you do and you, and and I and I gather that you have to be willing to open up. Yes, because I never, you know, they were like, "Oh, I had no idea." You know, yeah. I on the outside was happy and positive and in fact when I had my twins um I got pregnant a little bit after and somebody said, "Well, that's what you get for waiting so long." Oh. <laughs> Memo, like do not purpose. say that. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. People say the darndest things sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so I was, uh, oh. you know, people probably just thought, oh, they were just waiting. Or, oh, she just liked being skinny, so she didn't want to. I don't know. Who knows? Um, oh, so the, the lesson to learn there is don't judge. You just never know. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. No. Very good. So your pregnancy, um, why don't you walk us through what happened there and the birth of your babies? Because your trials weren't over just by getting pregnant, right? (laughs) I wish. Oh, I wish. So I was teaching eighth grade and um, I remember I had taken the stairs and everybody was like, oh, Miss McClure, stop taking the stairs. But I was in a hurry. I was running late for, I was a meeting before school started and I was trying to hurry up and get there and I didn't want to wait for the elevator it was clear across campus and so I just you know climbed the stairs and ran down the hall to a meeting not literally ran but I waddled trying to walk as fast (laughs) as I could and um I was about 29 weeks along and um I didn't know it then but people were like, I was worried about you you looked gray (laughs) but I know I just you know, it's going about my day. And, mm-hmm. um, but I started my classes and, um, I was reading a book with my students. So I was kind of walking the room and, uh, they were taking turns reading and I had, you know, written whose names 
written names on the board for who would be reading next. And um, so I was just walking and I thought, man, I don't feel well. Let me sit down. And I sat down and I still didn't feel well. And so I thought, oh, okay, let me walk again. I was walking again. I still just was hurting, you know, I was just not comfortable at all. And I thought oh, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, I didn't know anything about what it would feel like to go into labor. And these were, I mean, I had scheduled to get a tour of the hospital. It was like two weeks away and I had scheduled, you know, like all these things were coming, but I hadn't done any of them yet. Right. And, um, I went into the bathroom and saw blood and I thought, Oh Uh-oh. no. <laughs> and so I went back to my classroom really calm and, um, and I went over to my desk and I just sent a quick email to my department chair and I said, Hey, I probably need to go to the hospital. Oh, <laughs> and I said, but I have planning fifth and sixth. Um, so if you, you know, that's only one more period away, I can wait, no problem. But do you think you could find somebody to cover my last two classes? Oh, boy. And she comes running in the room, oh. like pro- within the next five minutes. And so she's like, <laughs> you need to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And all my students are like, bye, Miss McClure. See you Monday. And I'm like, bye guys. You know, not even registering exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I, you know, I get out to my car and, um, I call my doctor's office because I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. Do I go to the doctor? Do I go to the hospital? I don't know. So I call my doctor's office and I get so lucky that, it goes, you know, they have like a multi-line switch phone and it goes straight to a um, busy signal. Oh, and I'm no. like, what? <laughs> this is not good. So then I'm nervous. So I call my husband and he's a teacher too. So he's not answering his phone. Oh, no. And so then I call my mom. My mom's in South Carolina. But I'm like, mom, I don't know what to do. So I tell her what's going on, and she, I said, do I go to the doctor or do I go to the hospital? And she's like, well, I don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I'm driving in that direction, and I just said, well, you know what? My doctor's office is right next to the hospital, so I'll just go to the doctor's office. And if they don't, if, you know, worst case, they send me next door. You know, uh-huh. who cares? I said, I'd rather go there because I don't want to pay for an emergency room visit. <laughs> you know it, girlfriend. <laughs> what am I thinking? So... I show up at my doctor's office and they're remodeling. So nobody's there except one um, nurse. And she's like, oh, you know what? Nobody's here. I'll call your doctor. Just go to the the labor and delivery, the third floor of the hospital. Just go ahead and go over there and let them know what's going on. I'm like, what? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Just escort myself to labor and delivery. Okay. I had no clue what to do. So... I just went to the third floor and I'm looking for the trauma nurse. And, well, I'm looking for anybody. Mm-hmm. I had no, nobody is at like a reception area. Nobody's, oh, you know, so I just keep walking around. I'm in tears almost like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, finally this, uh, nurse's aide who just was walking to help somebody else saw me and probably was like, Whoa, what's this? pregnant woman doing walking around by herself mm-hmm. and she's like do you need help and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> and they brought me into so she got me help and they brought me into a triage room and they said well we're just gonna check you really quick and as soon as they did there's a splash Uh-oh. and I was like um I you know here I am still clueless but 
pretty sure I have an idea of what just happened. And the nurse, there's two nurses and they're trying to keep calm and they look at each other and they look at me and they're like, we're going to go take this fluid and have it evaluated and we'll be back in a few minutes. (laughs) Oh gosh. You're like, um, you're going to tell me what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Here I am like, great. What's going on? And they're trying to get monitors on my belly so that they can hear both babies and make sure everything is okay. And I'm in this triage room waiting for my husband to show up, hoping that he comes because I just left him a voicemail, you know? And, um, Luckily, he did come, and uh, they said, we're going to wheel you into a room. Uh, your water on one sack has broken, and um, we're just going to keep you in this room for two weeks, and um, hopefully, you know, in two weeks, your babies will be ready that you can deliver. And they um, they said, are you doing okay? And I was like, I'm just having trouble breathing. And they're like, oh, okay. And... Um, the day goes on and the next day and I'm like, I'm really having trouble breathing. And they're like, Oh yeah, you've got two babies on you. They're just taking all your air. It's okay. So Saturday night, finally my night nurse, I'm like, I can't breathe. Mm. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, let's check your, you know, they put the little thing to check your, the um, pulse, ox thing. your pulse and your oxygen levels. And I don't know why no one had done that before. But she checked, and I don't even know what the number was, but she said, oh, you're not (laughs) breathing. (laughs) And she got my doctor to order an x-ray, and they found that my left lung had already collapsed, and my right lung was full of fluid, and I had a severe case of pneumonia. Oh, my heck, girl. (laughs) And so suddenly, these two babies who were going to, you know, rest in my belly for two more weeks had to be out because water was broken and they were afraid that that infection would get to them. And so this, you know, overnight became emergency C-section. Everything's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I was, whew, <laughs> it was a little crazy. Um, and they delivered my babies early on Super Bowl Sunday, my husband's favorite detail. <laughs> <laughs> He's a football coach, so he was pretty psyched that his first kids were born on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> and uh, I did. I held them for a moment. They brought the baby to my face, each baby. Um, they were born a minute apart. They, we got to take a picture of them, and then they whisked them away. And I didn't get to see them again for uh, the the next day um because I couldn't walk I couldn't you know I was still trying to recover and they let me go see my babies but I couldn't hold them mm-hmm. because they were in incubators you know they were 10 weeks early they were very premature uh they were 212 and 215 when they were born um but miraculously they were born pretty healthy for how little they were um and for the first week, they were kind of optimistic about how well they were doing. And then um, my twins caught staph infections, oh, both no. of them. Everything just turned upside down. Suddenly, my kids couldn't breathe on their own, and they needed oxygen, and they needed all these extra um, things. And suddenly, there was a nurse assigned to each one, and they stayed at their bedside all day wow. to make sure they were staying alive because they weren't breathing, and they weren't they weren't eating and they weren't gaining weight and they weren't producing enough blood to replace how much they were losing from all these 
finger pricks and blood tests and oh my uh one of the hardest was watching them give uh spinal taps to my babies and you know you're just there (laughs) but you're powerless and i remember sitting there between their luckily they were right next to each other but i remember sitting between them thinking this might be it for me this might be my chance of motherhood right here i may never take these babies home this might be it Mm -hmm. And I had to be okay with that. You know, I had to think, okay, I am grateful for this moment because this might be it. And um, I didn't, you know, I didn't go back to work. I didn't, I spent every chance I could at the hospital. I thought this might be it. And um, those nurses got to know me pretty well (laughs) because I was there. Um, One of the nurses was like, hey, Miss McClure, where do we keep this? Like she would just (laughs) ask me. And I would tell her because I knew (laughs) because I was right next to the storage where their uh, supplies were kept. They were like, oh, Miss McClure knows. Just ask her. (laughs) But one of the days that was it was just a really rough day. This uh, one nurse came up to me. I thought she was going to say something like, oh, it's going to be okay," or, you know, something comforting. But she looked at me and she said, you must have a lot of faith. I was like. Uh, I just cried in the pumping room. I don't know if you call that faith, but, uh, I just looked at her and was like, why do you say that? And she said, you come in here every day and smile. And she said, we, you know, nobody knows if these babies are going to make it. And she said, just the fact that you're still here and you're still, you know, doing this, just, you must have a lot of faith. And it struck me, um, I hadn't even thought about what I look like to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I probably look like a big hot mess because I don't even know if I was brushing my hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just trying to be there for my babies, you know. But um, listen, when I when she said that, I thought, oh, okay. And it, it I don't know what it did. It just made me made me realize other people were seeing what was going on and maybe what what I could be doing could be helping somebody else. And I started noticing the other moms who are coming into the NICU. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I spent two months in the NICU. So I saw a lot of moms come and go. And um, I started reaching out. And when a mom would come in and, you know, she was still struggling with that. It The hardest part is leaving your baby and going home. Like yeah. being discharged from the hospital and not bringing your baby with you is awful. It's such a horrible feeling. And, um, you know, I started realizing I could be reaching out to these other women who are going through this because I know what it feels like. And um, it was nice to know I could do something (laughs) because there was so little I could do for my own babies. Um, I was doing all I could. But, you know, for the most part, it was just a lot of praying and a lot of just being there. Right. So it was nice to know there were other other things I could do. So anyway. probably the lesson you learned is that, um, at least from that nurse, is that faith is often shown through our works. You know, <laughs> at least that's what it sounds like. You were yeah. you were active in your faith. You were doing something with it. You you believed, and even though you left it in God's hand, you were actively going and being with them, and and so. Sometimes we show our faith by acting and, 
not just praying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, I think it's, I think they they go hand in hand. You know, we we have to do one and then the other. We can't yeah. just do one of the two. They they work together, and I think it shows our trust. You know, I think when we can actually trust that He loves us and that He does really truly have a plan, <laughs> and that He is aware of us, yeah. even when it feels like we're all alone or it feels like whatever we're doing is beyond our capacity that he knows and he's aware and that with him we can do it yeah it's we have to turn to him and rely on him because we are going to get things that are too heavy for us to carry on our own and this is one of those circumstances right here that you're telling in your life (laughs) too heavy (laughs) it was definitely heavy so they watch. were in the hospital for two months then. Two months, yes. My goodness. And um, in that time, you were able to be make a mini support group, I guess, right there in the NICU. <laughs> and I think that's so admirable. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> but how neat that you were able to form that bond with those women and support each other because you were all going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was always a bittersweet moment when they got to take their babies home. And I would be like, I remember when you came here last week and now you're going home and I'm still here, you know, mm. <laughs> and I would, you know, have that little five minute pity party and then go on about the rest of the day, you know, but, um, yeah, I felt like it was neat. One woman gave me some blankets. Um, she's so cute. She said, you keep these, um, my babies are redheads and these blankets will just not not work with their with their <laughs> you keep them <laughs> it's so sweet she just you know here you go you keep these um uh, there's another woman who uh, she just she had she had her first baby this was her second and she just so she knew what it was like to take a baby home and I didn't mm-hmm. and so she was like this is so hard to you know not do what I did the first time mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> but to leave them there and trust that those nurses and God will take care of them right yeah while you're gone and, and as long I could be there you know, a certain number of hours each day, but I couldn't, during shift change, they don't allow parents to stay in in the NICU. You have to leave, at least in our NICU, that's how it was. And so, um, there was this one hour gap every day that I would have to leave. And usually I would go home and, you know, eat dinner. And my husband was coaching track at the time. And so he would get home from, uh, track practice or from meet. And then we would go back over together and see the babies again and say goodnight and, (laughs) Oof. <laughs> so your rough. whole life revolved around the hospital at that time. Was there anything that uh, people did for you that was especially meaningful? Uh, just tips for people that know others in this circumstance. What were some of the meaningful things that people did for you at that time? Um, 
one woman, uh, soon after, cause you know, I had this emergency C-section and I wasn't allowed to drive, mm-hmm. but I was discharged and my husband went back to work and I wanted to go see my babies. So one woman was like, all right, I'm coming at this time each day and I'll take you to the hospital. And, um, what a gift. <laughs> so I stayed there until my husband came to pick me up at the end of the day. And I, you know, when it was shift change time, I just brought a book and I read a book uh, while I waited because I couldn't, you know, be with my babies. But um, what a gift that there was somebody who would, you know, help me get there so I could go spend the day. (laughs) That is so sweet. And I never would have thought of that. So thank you for sharing that tip. That is awesome. That's why that's why I ask (laughs) so that I can learn what I can do to. Um, to help serve others as well in that situation. Um, now, there was a book that you wanted to recommend for oh, uh, preemies. Yeah, there's it? a fantastic book. It's called Preemies. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I, it's downstairs in my bookshelf. Yes, um, it's called Preemies it is a f- by Dana Weschler, Weschler Linden, Emma Trenti. Paroli and Mia Weschler Duran and their MD. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that book and why it was meaningful and helpful to you? You know, it's funny is um, another teacher, when she heard I was having twins, said, you know, most twins are born a little early, so I'm going to give you this book in case you need it. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to need that. I'll be fine. <laughs> right. And so obviously I ate a big piece of humble pie when I <laughs> realized how desperately I needed that book. But it is fantastic because it is full of uh, um, medical terms and explanations. And because when you walk into the NICU, the nurses are so used to this lingo that they just assume everybody knows it. Right. And so they'll be like, oh, he braided five times last night. And I'm like, oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? (laughs) (laughs) Or, oh, he needs this test done. Or, oh, this came back this way. And I would be like, I don't know what that means. And so... Sometimes I would ask, but sometimes they were in such a hurry or there were so many other things going on. And, you know, there were two of them. So sometimes I was trying to, you know, take notes about one and they were already moving on to something else. And so I, uh, I just started writing stuff down and then I would go look in this book while I was pumping. And, um, I just would be like, oh, okay. So that means this, oh, that's not good. Or, oh, this is good. Or, okay. And, um, it was also great to hear how common these things were because sometimes you think, oh, what's wrong with my babies? Mm -hmm. They're the only ones that have ever had this or, you know, (laughs) so to hear how common it is or how normal was really (laughs) self-assuring. Yeah. Well, and And the fact that they had a whole book written about all these things, you know, you're like, oh, okay. And it's a thick book. Yeah. There's a ton of things that can go wrong. So knowing that um, was really helpful to me to be like, okay, well, at least it's not this. Or, you know, right, say, right. Okay, yeah, this is pretty rough, but it could be this. Or I'm so glad it's not blah, 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 you know. So awesome. it, it helped me it helped me know what there what was going on. It would you know, it explained like why you need a feeding tube and why the feeding tube is put in the nose or, you know, like different things that you think, why does it look like that? Or why do I have why does my son have an IV on his head? Oh, right. <laughs> That's so cruel. Um, you know, to get that explanation and get a little more insight um, was really helpful. That's awesome. We will for sure put a 
link to this Premies book in the show notes for anybody that is interested in looking at that book or giving it to someone. So um, you have taken us on quite a journey here. <gasps> My goodness. <laughs> from from first grade all the way through infertility and then this birth of your your twins. And now you have three others, right? Yes. Yes. Very Amazing. good. Miracles. I really thought my twins would be my only babies. And, you know, when I, um, <laughs> when I took that pregnancy test and found out I was expecting, I honestly, the words that I said to my husband were, I'm not broken. <laughs> That's exact. I really thought I'm broken. This is not going to happen ever again. And yeah. Obviously, Alyssa, you're not broken. Uh, I and needed to have those twins. <laughs> they just had to come that way. Yeah. And you know what? I um, honestly, I had, I mean, after that, we, you know, we had five kids in a very short amount of time. And um, it was, we went from zero to three in 15 months. I mean, oh, my. It, it, it was insane. Um we had four under four. We had, I mean, it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. And I guarantee you that if those had come to me right after I had been married, I would never have appreciated them the way that I do. Mm. Um, I, you know, on my roughest days when things are so chaotic and crazy and I feel like every child in my household is fighting, (laughs) I begged for this. (laughs) I begged for this fighting. (laughs) And I got to appreciate, I got to appreciate something out of this, darn it. (laughs) And so I'll look really hard sometimes and be like, but hey, they did this. Or you know what? They are this, you know, and um, just to realize the opportunity that I have to be a mom uh, and to know what it felt like to not uh, is far worse than any bad day. Right. Right. So, so do you, do you have a favorite, uh, Bible verse or some verses that became meaningful to you, um, throughout uh, these many difficulties that you've experienced in, in your life? You know, uh, the first one that, that, that comes to mind, it, you, you, you guys are going to think this is cheesy. Sorry. No, but, um, just just tell us, girl. When I was a girl, um, you know, I had four outfits, but there are five days in a week. Mm-hmm. And so I would always be like, okay, what am I going to, which outfit am I going to wear twice this week? That was how I planned, like, you know, figured out my clothes every week was what mm-hmm. am I going to wear twice? Or how could I mix it so that nobody notices that I'm wearing the same thing again? And um, I... I don't know, I would get really stressed about it, you know, because I was trying to not get picked on or not get put into that, you know, I didn't want anybody to treat me differently if they knew that I, you know, I was, we were super poor. So I tried to not, uh, you know, come off that way or let people know. And um, I was reading in Matthew, this is in Matthew chapter six, um, And it says, um, verse 28 says, and why take ye thought for raiment? And then it says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. And um, it says, then in verse 30, it goes, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? <laughs> and um, the first time I read that, I thought, what am I so worried about? <laughs> if I... Um, it spoke if to I you. Trust him, yeah. Because here, I mean, in a literal way, at the time, I was stressing about my clothes, what I was going to wear. And the scripture was so literal to me that why am I worried about that when the Lord will provide for me? You know, why mm -hmm. am I stressing about this when if he can make grass pretty, he can take <laughs> care of me. <laughs> I could be all right. And, um, I sure was, I was okay. And, um, you know, I was blessed with opportunities to get little, you know, side jobs when I was in high school to help, uh, you know, pay for things that other kids, you know, normally had, or, uh, you know, it, he took care of me and he always has. And sometimes I forget, or sometimes I'm distracted and think, Oh, what was me? And when I take a step back or when I've moved past a certain situation and I look back, I realize he was always taking care of me. Um, and I, you know, I can go back to the scripture time and time again and remember, you know, how many times he has taken care of me. That <laughs> Sorry, is... I'm getting emotional just talking about it. No, it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful verse. And it's a lesson that I think we all need to learn in life that we can, we can trust him to take care of us as we turn to him. And, yeah. and he does, he takes care of us in little ways. He like you mentioned, even today in your story, he, he sends people that end up becoming our support group into our life, you know, um, yeah. and he sends people to, that say the right thing at the right time, um, give you a hug at the right time or someone to drive That's you right. to the hospital. Often we, I think we <laughs> see God's hands through the kindness of others. And so I think that's so oh, neat yeah. that one of the lessons you talked about today was watching other people. And so you watch, you know, others be God's hands here on the earth. Um, and, and that's how you learned, uh, about service. And that's one of the things you've talked about a lot is, um, is that power of service. That's awesome. <laughs> now, was there another verse that you wanted to share as well? Oh. Yeah, um, and this this one shows up a couple times, so um, I'm just quoting it straight from Luke chapter one, verse thirty-seven, because um, I'm, we're reading this, we're reading the beginning of the Gospels with our kids right now each night before bed, just in preparation for Christmas. Um, as we're recording this, sorry. No, that's good. <laughs> um, but um, it's in verse thirty-seven. My uh, my third son was so excited about this verse that it wasn't even his turn to read and he read it out loud anyway. Um, <laughs> it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Oh. And um, I love, I love that uh, because I think so, so often I get these thoughts that come into my head and I know that it's inspiration. And I know the source. I know that God is telling me, here's what you need to do. And my very next thought is always a doubt. 
you know, where I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I can't do that. Or, oh, here's why I can't do that. Or, oh, this is too hard or too this, or somebody's going to think X, Y, Z if I do that. Um, and, you know, that reprimand that with God, nothing is impossible. Um, you know, if, if he's telling you to do it, if he's giving you, you know, this prompting or this feeling in your heart or in your gut, however you describe it, when he gives that to you, nothing is impossible. That is awesome. I love it. Oh, I love it. That was perfect. That was perfect. And it's true. And I and it goes back to that having faith in him. And um yeah. yeah. And believing that that's if God wills it, it will happen. And 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 the opposite's also true. And you, you talked about this today. Um being okay if what you're hoping for doesn't happen and still keeping that faith. Yeah. But anyway. Those are good tips. Well, my friend, <laughs> let's wrap this baby up. Why don't you uh, tell right. us how uh, we can connect with you? How can people find okay. you? Well, I'm easy. I'm Allie McJoy everywhere. <laughs> yeah, A-L-I-M-C-J-O-Y. Dot com. Yep. Very good. I'm Allie McJoy.com. I'm at Allie McJoy on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, you name it. Awesome. No, those are the only three. <laughs> Don't awesome. name any others. There's... <laughs> um, and before yeah, you go, yeah. I for sure want you to tell us a little bit about your book, Joy On, the 10 ways to add more joy to your life, and this new course that you're launching this next year. Tell us about that really quick. I, I won't go into a ton of detail, but after my fourth child, I um, had some hormonal imbalances that really put me in a dark, depressed place. And uh, when I got out of it, I recognized that it was a really steep climb. I felt like I was climbing out of a pit. Mm -hmm. And so when I um, found out I was pregnant with number five, that was my first fear. And I cried to my husband, I can't do that again. And, um, you know, he said, well, you know what it took to get out of that. So why don't you start doing those things now and, you know, do what you can to stay as far away from, you know, falling into that pit as you can. And then, you know, if if you get a little bit down, at least you won't continue to spiral down. (laughs) And, um, that was great advice. So I tried to pay really close attention to what I had done to get out before and, um, started to notice, uh, that these are things that I should probably share. And so, um, my baby girl is three now and <laughs> it's probably about time I share. Um, uh, but I, so I wrote the book, uh, this last year, uh, I compiled some different things that I had been working on, on my blog. And then I just solidified them a little bit more and, um, put them all together into this book, hoping that, you know, my biggest goal in life truly is to bring more joy to the world. I, I just heard this and I just have been thinking about it as this idea that we think we can't change the world. Uh, we're just one person or, you know, we're just two people, but, right. um, 
there, you know, that African proverb that says, if you think one person can't make a difference, you've never spent the room alone with a mosquito. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. And I thought, well, I'm going to be the mosquito spreading joy. So, you know, maybe I'll get squashed. I don't know. And maybe, you know, 10 people, I don't know. But those 10 people darn it, they're going to feel some joy. (laughs) (laughs) Whether they want to or not. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They're going to get there. That's all I know. They're going to get there. Um, So that's, you know, that's my goal. Awesome. Um, So your book, your book Joy On is available on Kindle. Good. So is the best I can do. 99 cents on Kindle. You can get her book Joy On and your course. Where can we find your course? Um, if you visit me on Allie McJoy, it's right. You can click on the link right there on my homepage, um, or AllieMcJoy.teachable.com. They'll both take you to the same thing. Um, and uh, registrations only. Enrollment's only going to be open for the month of January. Uh, we're just doing a little year-long journey together. If you want to join me uh, in a small group, we're just going to focus on those ten ways from my book, uh, one a month. For starting in February, January, we're going to do a little, uh, a few preview exercises and some things to get us going. And in December, we'll look back and do some evaluation. And we're just going to find some joy in the journey. I'm excited. Awesome. (laughs) I'm excited. We will put the links to both Alyssa's book and her website there so that you can uh, find her course Thanks. what what are you calling your course by the way i'm just calling it joy on just like the book very good I'm trying to keep it simple keep it simple we love it <laughs> this has been so much fun i appreciate you so much Alyssa, for sharing all of this um wonderful information are there any tips that you would like to share before we sign off i think just keep going you know some days we feel like there's nothing, you know, there's, we, we, maybe we just aren't getting things right or we aren't living up to what we thought we could. Um, but that doesn't mean that tomorrow isn't a day, you know, Yeah. don't give up. Awesome. <laughs> going. Perfect advice to close on. All right. This is Tamara K. Anderson and Alyssa McClure signing off and find joy and hope. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode, so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode, you forget what were those great things. So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, Perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. 
May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.